Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with me, Alison Balance. But tonight, I'm going to take you to an amazing predator-free seabird island. The island is a tropical one, Kusan Island. It's in the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean. It may be on the other side of the world, but there is a surprising and strong New Zealand connection to the Seychelles. The link started with the late Don Merton, the wildlife officer who famously led the effort to rescue the Chatham Island black robin from extinction when there were just five birds left. In the latter part of his life, Don realised that rare birds need safe island homes, and creating these havens often means getting rid of introduced predators such as rats and cats. He began carrying out island eradications in Mauritius and the Seychelles, often taking unpaid leave or using up his annual holidays to do the work. Don also advised on projects to conserve rare birds, such as the Seychelles magpie robin. No relative of our own robin, but instead a species which faced some of the same solvable problems. Don's legacy in the Seychelles is a strong one, and conservationists still speak warmly of the Kiwi expert who came to help them. So in memory of Don, and as a tribute to seabirds and the marine environment around the world, let's go for a walk on tiny Kuzan Island, which rather incredibly has always remained predator-free, with guide Alex Suyana and Nature Seychelles Island manager Cheryl Sanchez. So my name is Alex, uh, I'm a warden, I've been working on Kusan for around eight months now. So this is the white-tailed tropic bird, and in the Seychelles we have two types of tropic birds, we have the white tail and the red tail. Okay? Uh, the white tail can, uh, can be found on Kusan, the red tail can be found on Kusan. Okay? And as you can see these birds, uh, they don't build any nest, they nest on the ground. So the reason is because their feet is situated at the rear side of their body, so they cannot balance themselves on a branch. And also on the island, we don't have any predators like cats, snakes, rats, or dogs. And this one is a small one. Uh, normally for the small ones, they will be staying on the ground for around three months. And for the small ones, it takes them one or two years for them to get the long tail like the adults. And these birds can dive to a depth of 15 to 20 meters underwater for their food. So they are seabirds, they mostly eat small fish and squid. And they nest on the island all year round, and they can be found on the island all year round as well. I'm Cheryl. Um, I'm the conservation manager of Kuzan. Kuzan is quite unique. You know, you always hear conservation stories, but you usually hear about how species are doing horribly, or you know, you, you don't always hear the really positive stories. But Kuzan is an incredible success story, conservation-wise. This island, it used to be. Um, a coconut um, plantation pretty much so the whole native forest was was taken down so what happened was the island was bought and it was pretty much um, bought to save the Seychelles warbler which there were only 20 or so birds left just in a tiny little pocket in the mangroves and it's referred to as the bird that saved an island um, because basically what they did is they bought the island and they restored the habitat and it allowed everything else to come back. So the birds started to come back and nest on the ground. You have other species such as magpie robins, which Alex will show you, that uh, 
they can now live on this island because there aren't predators, it's the proper habitat as well. So it's just become an area that has been successfully allowing these animals to come back and really flourish. You have, you can probably hear the birds everywhere. We, we're in the end of our, our big bird nesting season for our noddies. And soon we'll be getting into our sea turtle season as well. So it's just created this habitat both in the, on the land and in the surrounding seas that has allowed these animals to be protected and really flourish. So in terms of restoration, what's happened? Taking out the coconut palms? Oh yes, um, taking out the coconut palms. We have native forest right now, so it's mostly comprised of acrosia, pisonia, um, and a couple other different species. But basically these are areas where now birds can build nests. You have a good ground cover as well, so that you know species that forage on the ground, such as the magpie robins, have plenty of invertebrates to feed off of and it's it's not completely covered with invasive plants and so forth. So the way that the management has gone throughout the years has really saved the island because it's preserved it in its um, you know native native plants, native animals and they've all figured out how to survive in it. And it's an uninhabited island apart from you and a few other staff out here. Right, so we have about seven wardens. We have a chief warden, myself, and then we have volunteers as well. So we do have some people on it, but there are strict tours as well. So you don't just have people aren't allowed to come and just wander the island, which is sometimes people, you know, are a little frustrated with. But once you explain, you know, it also helps to preserve the habitat. It helps to allow um, animals to not be disturbed as much that people then start to understand. And you see it when you walk onto the island. It's, it's beautiful. It's just full of wildlife. Cheryl, how big is Kuzan Island? It's 27 hectares. It's quite small. It's comprised of a plateau, and then there's a bit of a hill, but we have a pretty large plateau, which um, is, does really well for, obviously, all our, our magpies and our tropic birds. They have a lot of trees where they can use the little areas in between the buttresses of the roots. The hill is really good for the wedge shell shearwaters. What's your commonest bird out here? At the moment, our lesser noddies. <laughs> so noddies are kind of turn? Yes, it sure is. It is a kind of turn. We have two types of noddies. We have a lesser noddy and a brown noddy. Lesser noddies, we have anywhere between like 50,000 or more, 80,000 pairs each season. And they come in probably about May, and then they'll leave in the next month or so. A lot of them have fledglings that'll kind of hang around for a little bit. And so pretty much most of the birds we can hear are the lesser noddies? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the trees are just All the full of little whistling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they build tiny little nests. You can still see them everywhere. Out of, usually out of Pisonia leaves. and They've just draped some leaves mm -hmm. in the crooks of branches. Uh -huh, and they glue it together with their poo. They <laughs> just have these tiny little nests. And so these ones are lesser noddies. They're a bit smaller in size. And the brown noddies can be found on rocky parts of the island, on top of the island. And these birds, uh, they are seabirds also, they mostly eat small fish and squids. And as you can see, they use dead leaves and seaweeds to build their nest. And for the small ones, they will be staying in the nest for around three months. And after three months, uh, they will start learning to how to fly and also getting their own food. So how many bird species in total do you have breeding here? So we have moorhens, sunbirds, Seychelle sunbirds, Seychelle thirty, the warbler, the blue pigeon, the turtle dove, 
magpie robins, so seven lambbirds. And then seabirds, we have city terns, bridal terns, the White two terns. naughties. White terns. White terns, fairy terns. White terns, chubby birds. The wet shell shearwaters. So seven land birds and about it's looking at about, about eight, eight, yes. eight seabirds. Wow, and a few, <laughs> a few Aldebra sure giant tortoises. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lying in front of us, looking like rocks. Yes. <laughs> These are giant land tortoise, and by looking at the carapace or shell, you can t uh, tell which one is the male or female. So normally for the males, the shell is bumpy, and the males they have longer nails at the back, and also the tail at the back is longer for the males. And generally, the females they tend to stay a bit smaller in size compared to the males. So this so, is a big male? Yes, this one is a big male. Uh, this one is around 100 years old, and it weighs more than 100 kgs, kilograms, and they can live up to 200 years old. And they mostly eat small plants, fruits. How many giant tortoises do you have on the uh, island? The population is around 60 to 80 of them. So these are one of the things that there used to be giant tortoises here on these islands. They were hunted to extinction. They've been reintroduced from Aldabra, is that right? Yes. That's what they think. They think there may have been who knows how many other species, maybe one, maybe more, within the inner granitics. But uh, yes, all the ones that you'll see now are Aldabran giant tortoises. What kind of ecological role do they fulfill? Oh, it's actually quite neat. What they'll do is they'll kind of keep the, the forest nice and cleared off. Um, and you'll see in areas such as, you know, the front here, they'll keep the grass nice and low. They act as big herb herbivores, basically. They'll wander around, knock things down, almost like mini elephants. <laughs> and also in the forest, like when they walk around, they like to drag their feet. Yes. So the magpie robins would like follow them from behind and eat the small insects. Mm -hmm. oh, wow, that is an enormous skink. Uh, there's the big one, and then there's a small one. So the big one is called the right skink, and the small one is the seashell skink, and the seashell skink is endemic to the seashells. Uh, the right skink can only be found on islands with large seabird colonies, and these lizards, they normally feed on the small chicks and also the seabird eggs, so it's one of the predators we have on the island. This is called the seashell swabler. And in the 1960s, this bird was critically endangered. The world population was only 20, and it was only found on this island. And in 1968, they bought the island to protect uh, the small birds, so it's the main reason the island became a reserve. And now the world population is around 2,000 to 3,000 of this bird, and it can be found on four other islands, Cousin, Fregat, Denis, and Arid Island. So there's been quite a few bird translocations here in the Seychelles. Yes, <laughs> quite a few. But most of them, and translocations should be taken very seriously, and they've done an incredible job in these translocations because especially the warblers, the magpie robins, they've just completely flourished and have you know, then been able to downgrade them on the, on the red list. So it's just really, really incredible stories for these birds. But clearly they don't survive on islands with predators still, so it's only on these no, little predator-free ones. Exactly. A lot of these birds... It's, it's going to be almost impossible, not impossible, because um, they always do things you don't, that you say that they don't do, but for a lot of these birds, it's very difficult for them to survive on, you know, on pralin, on mahe, just like, you know, the white-tailed tropic birds, they, they have to go nest on cliffs or something of the sort, but they won't get in the numbers that they are on these smaller islands that are, are kept predator-free. I mean, that's a very familiar story to 
to New Zealand. Ex- oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> New Zealand knows all about that as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, everywhere, there's so many places that have learned the hard way. But luckily, there are a lot of places that are going through all the effort to try to make, you know, at least places that they know they can predator-free. And, and especially birds, they do return if they have the proper habitat and they don't have those predators. So what's the threat of getting rats or mice out here again? Is that something you have to manage quite carefully? We only allow our boats um, to land on Tukuzan, and our boats don't go ashore on Pralin. We do make sure that nothing as, you know, rats can swim. We do make sure that rats have not gotten onto our boats, but that's quite easy. We can check our boats very easily. So we do the best we can to make sure we're not bringing rats to the island and it seems to have been really successful because so far it's it's not happened. (laughs) And the model here is that you get tourists coming out, they pay a landing fee, so that pretty much supports the conservation efforts that go on out here? Yes, it it, it supports the running of the island, exactly. Um, So we have, again, we have permanent staff members who live here and who work here we're constantly, you know, making sure the island, you know, we're, we're always doing habitat rehabilitation for any kind of invasive plants, making sure that the habitat stays right. We do annual censuses of birds to make sure, you know, we do a lot of long-term monitoring, which isn't as, you know, as appealing to some people, but, oh, the just the, the years and years and looking at Um, The trends is so important, and then you're able to keep, you know, track of how your population is doing. And so far, (laughs) everything seems to be doing really well on Cuisine, which is quite uh, rewarding for the work that that gets done here and for how much effort they've put into keeping it um, protected. So what he's doing is he's whistling... These birds, the magpie robins, are quite territorial. And if you're in their territory, you make some noise, you whistle, or I've had volunteers that can't whistle, so they'll just sing as they're walking, and the birds will come and check you out. What he's doing is he's kicking aside the top layer of leaves um, and then exposing areas where there are a lot of invertebrates. We do a lot of monitoring of our magpie robins. You'll notice that they all have rings on them. And we monitor them very often, uh, almost probably like four or five times a week. So they associate us also with, you know, we're going and we're kicking aside leaves. So they'll, they'll come down usually when we come around and whistle, partly to check us out, maybe because they know we're kicking aside leaves. But they've also sort of conditioned us because anytime you go in the forest, you just start whistling, <laughs> just, <laughs> just without even thinking about it. People who are used to New Zealand robins would find that really familiar as well. It's really easy to teach them to come down. We tend to wander around the forest, kicking leaves aside, (laughs) doing exactly the same thing. Really? Except your magpie robin is quite a bit bigger than our our bush robin. That's a beautiful-looking bird. They're really beautiful. The adults, um, they have very, very white wing patches, and they're black with sort of a blue sheen, so almost a midnight black if you see them in the sun or in the right lighting. They're very beautiful. The juveniles have, um, are, don't have that complete sheen to them. 
but also on that white wing patch it, there will sort of be this black webbing almost. It's, so you can distinguish the juveniles from the adults pretty easily. Now the Seychelles magpie robin is a bird that I associate with the late Don Merton from New Zealand because where they can find just a fregat yes. and their numbers at one point got down to in the 20s as in well, the 20s, I think. yes. Yeah, and, and Don came out when he was doing some predator control work out here, mm-hmm. doing some eradications and, and was advising on the magpie robin as well. So how many islands is it on now? On five, yes, and they're doing quite well. How many do you have here on Kuzan? We are actually, we've got sort of our carrying capacity now. So they've done so well that they've, uh, they occupy at least 10 or, or 11 territories. It just changes with, with when breeding powers change. And we usually have between about 35 or 45. So they're just, they're doing so well. And they don't seem to have suffered any ill effects from having gone through that small bottleneck? No, very surprisingly. But it's quite cool that the warblers are just the same. They've done the same. But, you know, of course the warblers have smaller territories. They can have higher numbers on these islands. What limits the magpie robins is, is their territories. So they have larger territory sizes. But they both seem to have gone through the same, you know, defied the population bottleneck and they seem to be quite healthy. So this used to be an enclosure when the island was privately owned, but it used to be a giant tortoise enclosure. So they would keep uh, the giant tortoise inside and they would export the meat. And as you can see, it's broken in different places, so the giant tortoise are free to roam around the island. And the wall is completely built with guano, and guano consists of bird droppings, sand, shell particles, decaying leaves, and it was used as fertilizers in the early days. And uh, uh, the trail we've been walking on, uh, the depth of guano can go down to two meters. Okay, so imagine how many birds you need to make one of this size. And it takes a lot of time for it to solidify as well. Now you've just picked something up off the So these are pisonia seeds. You'll see they kind of like come in bouquets, these seeds. And a they lot of... kind of like they've got hooks on them. Yes. A majority of our forest is comprised of pisonia grandis, this, this tree. Which is quite widespread through the tropics, yes, isn't it? Yes, exactly. It's found in Australia as well, uh, yep, Indo-Pacific as well. And they're really, when they, when they fruit, they'll then seed, and they're usually really sticky. So these are a bit old, and you'll see they have little barbs on them. Imagine, imagine you're just getting stuck in your hair. It's not nice. It takes forever to get out. But imagine now that a bird is going on the ground, is, you know, a lot of the noddies will continuously throughout the season come down and pick up leaves and keep, you know, maintaining their nests. You have the white-tailed tropic birds that are quite clumsy when they land and they kind of hobble around to their area. You have the magpies that are foraging on the ground. You have everything is involved somewhat on the ground at some point in its, in its life stage. And so when these fruit, you know, it's, it's a common vector is that, you know, you have sticky seeds, so you stick onto feathers and then you're, you're carried to different areas. However, it's so, so it's great for the tree, not so good for the bird? It is, except that most of the time, well, not most of the time, but a lot of the times we'll find birds completely saturated in these where they can't move, they can't do anything, and they just, I mean, they can't feed, so they starve to death. So it is so effective, maybe to a point that it is too effective. You know, it, it, it does impact the seabird populations a bit, but 
it's, it's an every year occurrence and they, they're doing just fine. How does Kuzan compare to, there's lots of other islands around here in the Seychelles, how does this one compare to the others? It's surprising how different they all are, such as, you know, you have Pralin and you have its satellite islands and then you have Mahe and its satellite islands. So just Pralin in this side compared to Mahe is, is stunningly different. Um, it's a bit drier, you have the red sand, you know, on Pralin, on Curious. And then here you have a forest that's dominated by Pisonia, so that's just completely different than the other places. Then you have it similar in that it is a bird-nesting island and it's predator-free, but then you also have Cuisine, which is the same, but it's got a much smaller plateau and a much bigger hill. Um, so the species that are comprised on it are similar, but the numbers are different, and so is you know, the, the forest percentage of what it's dominated by. And so surprisingly, even though you know, the islands are only a kilometer or two apart, they're all really different. Kuzan Island in the Seychelles is owned and managed by Nature Seychelles. We heard from island manager Cheryl Sanchez and guide Alex Suyana. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. And you can find more stories on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Ka kite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.